Welcome to the Sales Enablement Soiree Session on Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions. Are you concerned about retaining your best salespeople? If you want to develop a more self-motivated, accountable team of sales champions that are able to realize their full potential, coaching is your answer. Keith Rosen is here to talk about how to help your frontline sales managers become more effective sales coaches that can boost sales productivity, performance, and most importantly, trust. With that, I'm excited to hand it over to you, Keith. Welcome everyone to 2021, where we're gonna spend the next 30 to 40 minutes talking about what every sales leader can do to make coaching your selling superpower in 2021. So let's dive right into this. I think we'll all agree that what got you here today will not get you where you want to be tomorrow. I mean, after all, the way we sold in 2019 to 2020 today, if your sales process and mindset has not changed, you can do more of what you were doing yesterday. You can add more technology today and try to do things faster. But all you wind up doing is doing the wrong things faster. Today, what we need is more of that human element and making that human connection with our peers, our staff, as well as with our customers, which is something that you'll see today as we talk not only about strategy of what you need to do to make an immediate impact on your team, their level of engagement, their level of accountability, and of course, ultimately for them to drive more sales. Uh, this is the inner game as well. And you'll see that if you don't change your thinking first, it does not matter how many templates or tools you have. So let's keep going here. Uh, does training alone develop champions? Now I've been doing this for 34 years. I've had the pleasure of traveling on six continents, 75 countries, uh, every culture, every industry. And inevitably, the same conversation percolates to the top. Keith, you know, we did our sales training, but you know, some people took it and some people took half of it. And most people just fell back into their old ways. And, you know, this really bothered me. And as I uh, shifted more uh, from coaching sales teams to more spending the time coaching sales managers and executives, uh, the gap was pretty clear. Because after all, if you take, say, 10 salespeople and put them through a fit sales training program, and after they graduate and they're back in the field or on the phone or making meetings and conducting presentations, is every single person on your team performing at the exact same level? I'm going to make one of the few assumptions I make and say, absolutely not. I've never seen that before because each person needs to be coached and treated like an individual, which is why this has never happened. Training doesn't develop champions leaders do. So the, the, the win, the challenge, the solution from after you deliver any sales training is that it gets further embedded and reinforced when your sales leaders are now coaching to the competencies that you need your salespeople to develop, refine, uh, and, and execute on. And if managers do not know how to coach, then every company is just making their sales training the flavor of the month, 
uh, an invent an invest an invented base theme because it's never going to be reinforced by the sales managers because they don't know how to do it. So that's the missing link. Any desired behavioral change cannot be sustained without coaching to make it stick. And here I am, 34 years later, and today, as as hot uh, a topic as coaching is, and how every manager is talking about, oh, I'm coaching my team, and every company is talking about, oh, we're developing a coaching culture. They have no idea what they're doing. In fact, I would challenge any company and say, you do not have a coaching culture, and your salespeople are not coaching effectively as they can. And I'm going to share with you the reason why right now. For the last several months, as companies are now uh, putting their head above water after uh, reacting to the pandemic and how it's impacted our lives and in our business, and they're finally trying to get ahead and say, hey, we need to now train our salespeople, get our managers trained, because we never train our sales managers um, that, that needs to be a priority. So I'll get on a phone uh, conversation. I'll be talking to the head of learning development or, you know, uh, VP of sales enablement. And inevitably, when it comes to them saying, Keith, we want to develop a coaching culture, uh, we want our managers to coach 70% of their time. Now, once I hear any leader say that to me, they have no clue what coaching is, okay? Because coaching is not an event. It's not, a, it's not something you do to someone. It's not like you go to someone and they come to you with a problem and you say to them, okay, I'm putting my coaching hat on and I'm going to do this thing coaching to you. No, coaching is a language. Coaching in the most simplistic form is the art of language and creating new possibilities. It's the art and language of creating new possibilities. So when managers tell me and leaders tell me we want our people to coach 50% or 70% of the time, what they're really saying is coaching, we don't understand what it is. And what I share with them is, wait a second, you want your people coaching 100% of the time. And they say, Keith, how can that happen? And my response is, because coaching is a language. Just like any language you learn how to speak, whatever your native tongue is, every leader needs to now learn the language of leadership. And the language of leadership is coaching. So if you're speaking coach every day, then you're every day honoring and being the coach you can be in every conversation. Because in every conversation, especially now when we're all under such pressure, managers are not honoring this definition. Number one, they don't have it. There's no universal definition. So how can a company develop a coaching culture if there's no shared universal definition? That's where it starts. And managers, once they adopt this and, and start working on developing a framework for coaching, prior to that, they're not, they're not honoring this definition of coaching. What they're doing is they're having conversations and they're driving their own agenda. That's what they're doing. So here's an example. When you ask your manager for help 
and you approach your manager and say, hey boss, you know, I'm running into this challenge with this one customer, uh, trying to get it over the finish line, uh, you know, challenge in procurement, it's not going through, what should I do? And the manager says, oh, great opportunity to coach. When I was in your position, this is how I did it, so you should do it this way too. Don't you think that's a good idea? And what do you think your salespeople is going to react? Oh my gosh, Mr. and Mrs. Manager, I'm so glad I thought of that idea. I'm so glad I thought of that all by myself. No, this manager did not coach them. They manipulated them. They Jedi mind tricked them. They asked a loaded leading question that guides the coachee to where the manager wants to be. And that's what managers do. They direct and manage in their own image, how they've done it, what's worked for them, rather than tapping into the individuality of each person. That's demotivating. And this is, empower this is empowering. And for any manager that says coaching takes too long, come on. If you're in a conversation with someone and they ask you for your opinion or advice, all you need to do is respond with, hey, I trust you in your judgment. What's your opinion, opinion on handling this to achieve the results you want? You see, a good leader respects everyone's point of view, then seeks to understand their point of view and then leverage each person's individual talents and strengths. So again, you're either coaching people, leading with questions, asking open-ended, non-loaded questions to truly seek to understand who that person is, how they engage in activities, how they're communicating, and what they're doing, rather than closing them, asking leading questions that guide them to your desired results. And you know you're closing people if the internal narrative, when you, when you think you're coaching, sounds like, gee, um, I wonder what questions I need to ask to guide the person to where I want them to be. No, that's manipulation. That's when the sanctity of coaching gets tarnished and people don't want to be coached. So here's the deal, okay? You're either coaching people or you're closing them. There is no such thing as coaching. So let's move on. We're going to move into the inner game here. And, and as you notice, uh, it's just not important enough for me to share with you strategies and how to coach. Because if you don't change your thinking first, any strategy or any coaching strategy I give you will be short-lived because you're not aligning how you think with what you do. So let's take a moment and abandon some of the toxic thinking managers hold on to that prevent them from leading and coaching effectively. And this is it right here. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, where you're located in the world. Uh, most managers are what I call chief problem solvers. I wrote about it in both of my, my coaching books. And quite frankly, it's not your fault. It's an occupational hazard. It's a global conundrum because most organizations, they're putting targets on your back. 
You have business results to achieve. You have revenue targets, sales quota, okay? Everyone has a target on their back. How can you not be so result-driven? And when you're result-driven, what are you going to do? You're going to seek out any problem you can do to generate the result you need as quickly as possible. That, my friend, is actually creating the very thing you want to avoid. Achieve problem solver seeks out like a heat-seeking missile problems to solve. So let's take this to a deeper level for a second. Why do managers feel they must solve problems or compelled to quickly share their opinion or solution? Well, quite frankly, it's an ego play. After all, managers tell me, well, Keith, that's why I was hired. Uh, that's what I thought my job was. And that's how uh, uh, I was managed. And uh, that's what my people expect from me. Well, that's the wrong lesson, okay? And unfortunately, you being that quintessential SME, that subject matter expert, is actually creating the very culture and team you want to avoid. So let's step into this further here. When someone comes to you, direct report, even your peer, when, you're, when, when they ask you a question and they're looking for help and you say, okay, here's what you need to do. Think about the precedent you're, sent, you're setting. That person is now walking away thinking, oh, this is great. Every single time I have a problem, I'm just going to go my boss, to my boss and they're going to solve it for me. And you want to know what? Some people are going to appreciate that, but some people are going to walk away thinking, I guess my boss doesn't trust me. I guess they don't think I'm competent enough to do my job. I wonder how they're thinking in terms of my overall performance and job security. Okay. That's also how they feel when managers is doing their job. And the irony, of course, is that I have never met any manager or organization that does not want to develop a high-performance, coachable, self-accountable team of sales champions. But you're creating the very outcome you want to avoid because every time you deliver an answer and solve a problem, you're creating the very dependency you want to avoid. And here's the kicker. If you provide an answer, and that solution or answer, that go-do, doesn't work, that salesperson gets to come back to you and say, hey, boss, my, clean, my hands are clean on this one. It's not my fault this didn't work. It's yours. Congratulations, managers. You have successfully robbed the people of the very accountability, accountability you desperately try to instill. Now, there's a quick story I want to share to drive this point home. And I write about it in my first coaching book. Uh, there's a young boy, and he, uh, he was playing outside uh, in his backyard, and he was sitting under a tree. And he noticed this chrysalis, this cocoon. And this young boy knew that at some point in time, okay, uh, this butterfly will emerge. And he was so excited. So he sat under that tree for hours waiting for that butterfly to emerge. But nothing happened. So the boy went inside and the next day after school, he went outside and sat under that tree and waited for that butterfly to emerge. And finally, something started happening. The butterfly started to come out of its cocoon. 
And the boy was so excited because he knew at any moment the butterfly's wings would expand and it would fly away. But all of a sudden, this butterfly stopped moving. It wasn't making any progress. So the boy, in his haste and in his impatience, went inside, grabbed a pair of scissors, and then very carefully, surgically, precision, cut around the cocoon, thinking he was helping the butterfly. But there was a problem. You see, what the boy didn't understand is nature's way, natural evolution. The struggle that the butterfly goes through forces all the fluid in its body into its wings so that when it does get out of the cocoon, it could spread its wings and fly away. Unfortunately, not this butterfly. This butterfly is destined to hobble around with you know, a swollen body and deformed wings. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that you're hobbling around like that, but I want you to think about your team and I want you to think about how you're managing them and you think what support looks like. Think about the last challenge you went through. Think about the last challenge you overcome yourself and, and, and go back and imagine how you felt. I bet it felt pretty good. Well, every single time you're solving people's problems, you're robbing them of that opportunity to develop their confidence, to develop their critical thinking, and more important, their critical questioning skills. So are you truly empowering your people? What's the definition of empower? To give strength and power to. Well, how do you make this shift away from being the SME, from being the, the chief problem solver? I'm going to share with you three fundamental principles of coaching in about 20 seconds. Here we go. Rule number one, let your people do their job. That's why you hired them. Rule number two, let your people do their job. And if you are feeling clairvoyant, you may guess rule number three. That is correct. See rules one and two, let your people do their job. And here's an example of what will happen if you continue to take ownership of that role of chief problem solver and allow your ego to get in the way of because you want your people to be dependent on you because you feel the love. And they say, oh, boss, I can't imagine working without you. You're the reason for my success. Okay, that's an ego play. So take a look at the life of a world-class coach, okay? I'd be the first to say that when you start coaching, it may take a few minutes extra than giving an answer. But notice what happens over time. If you have five people, 10 people on your team, 20, 30, you can't scale dependency, okay? You're gonna have a lot of people and be spending your day putting out fires and responding to emails, okay? But notice what happens. The more you coach, the more you're empowering your people to be able to solve their own problems. The more you're building their confidence the less they're coming to you for problems. If you want a lesson on time management, here it is. This is how you take control of your day. So you as a leader can do what you're meant to do, which is focus on the strategic direction of your organization and make your people more valuable, okay? Because the fact is you can't scale dependency. You can't scale it. So I wanna get tactical with you now. I want you to leave the specific things you could do to make an impact on your team so that they could start selling more. Because the fact is, if 
managers aren't coaching, salespeople aren't selling. So here's a very simple formula for success. There's three answers that need to be, excuse me, three, three questions that need to be answered in every conversation. What's going on? Now, typically the coachee is coming to you. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Mr. Manager, Mrs. Manager, here's my situation. Why is this going on? See, that's what we step over. That's the uncovering the gap. That's assessing the facts rather than assuming them. That's diving deeper to seek to understand what the root cause is, what the coaching moment is, because then you can move into, great, how can you create a new possibility? What's your opinion on how to move forward and resolve this to create the results you want? So simplest model of coaching, what's going on? What, why is this happening? Take the time to assess the facts and not here's what you need to do, but how can you create a new possibility? Unfortunately, the way most managers communicate is what's going on and here's what you need to do, okay? This is the broken framework that the, that the majority of leaders all over the world are, are hanging on to, um, not only before the pandemic, but even worse now, because there's so much fear, uncertainty, and doubt out there that managers feel, and I actually heard a senior leadership in a global organization say to me, Keith, maybe this is the time we need to stop coaching. No, that leader clearly didn't get coaching because this is when every leader, every manager needs to step it up and make sure they're engaging with their people more and giving them the coaching support that they need to feel included, connected, and that they're still growing and developing. So here's another inner, internal uh, uh, mindset that we need to abandon. And this really speaks back to why managers are so stuck on being the chief problem solver. And when you ask managers, hey, why don't you coach more if you know coaching is the way to go and you've heard everyone say, oh, well, your managers need to be coaching. Of course, we're not going to train you. We'll send you an article, do maybe a two-hour event and now become a master coach. But yeah, clearly that doesn't work because most managers who do not know how to truly coach say to me, Keith, I don't have time to coach, especially now. I'm doing triage. I'm, I'm taking on more responsibility. We have furloughs. We have layoffs. Uh, I, now I have, I don't know, I have to backfill. I don't know when I have to backfill people. All I know is I've taken on more and it's more difficult to connect with my team with all the different changes that they're going through and that we're going through. So let's shatter this myth right now. Here's another paradox. Believing you have no time to coach costs you more time. So I know we don't have time to deliver my leads coaching framework and break down all the great, powerful coaching questions that you can use to facilitate any conversation that will create a much more, a better outcome and create a possibility. But what I can do for you right now is share with you what I call the 60-second coaching strategy. Now, you can use this as soon as you're done watching this with the next person you speak with, especially if it's one of your direct reports or anyone on your team. So here we go. The 60-second strategy. Someone comes to you looking for help. 
you are at that pivot point. You are at that crossroad. You can go one way and say, I have no time to coach. Let me just tell them what to do. Or you can stop, pause, take a step back and respond this way. Hey, Jim, I'm happy to share my opinion with you. However, you're much closer to this client and to this situation than I am. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to handle this? What's your opinion on how to create the results you want? I actually think that was less than 60, maybe about 30. And as a New Yorker, I have a tendency to talk fast. So let's break this down. I'm happy to share my opinion with you. You're letting the coach you know you're going to still give them your opinion, not in the beginning of the conversation, but at the end. And so any leader looking uh, or listening is saying, Keith, what do you mean? I never get to give a solution. I never get to give my ideas or share my expertise. Yes, you do. Not after what they're looking for. After you seek to understand, after you assess all the facts, after you uncover what they know, what they did, and how they did it, after you hear their ideas on how to create the outcomes they want, you now know what they know and you know what they don't. Now your value is filling in the gap, which is exactly this here. What's your opinion on handling this? Okay, you're demonstrating that you trust them, that you build confidence in them when you tell someone you trust them. And the truth is they are more closer to the situation than you are. So when you ask what's your opinion on how to handle this or create the results you want, they're going to share with you one of three things. They're going to share with you a solution that will work. As a matter of fact, they may share with you a solution that might even be better than yours. How's that for a mind blow? That's a full big solution. You don't have to tell them anything. They got it on their own. Congratulate you. Congratulate them. That's pure coaching. Second scenario, solution they give you is half-baked. doesn't have all the components needed in there to be successful, or it's not baked at all. They don't even have the ingredients. They don't even have a pot or even an oven. Okay? So how do you respond to that? You certainly don't want to respond with, are you an idiot? How long have you been in this position? No, they'll never want to be coached by you again. So if they share options B, half-baked, or C, not big, here's how you respond to create a collaboration, okay, not an interrogation. Hey, thanks for sharing your opinion. I really appreciate it. Let's walk through your ideas to see how they could work out. Then together, create the most effective solution that will achieve the results you want. Now, notice how this changes the conversation. You're being collaborative, not directive, and now you're creating a new possibility. You're honoring the definition of coaching. And if you really stop for a second, <coughs> the manager's still complaining about coaching or giving the answer. Think of it this way. You give the answer once, you'll be, you'll be giving that person the answer for the rest of the career. You coach them and they get it on their own, that's how you get your time back. And that's how you build the future leaders of the organization. And since time is the only constant, think about it. You have time to fight fires, but you don't have time to coach? Come on. If you have time to give an answer, you have time to ask a question, coach. 
And that's why the best leaders lead with questions, not with answers. And the reason why is this. And managers will say, but Keith, I know for a fact what the quote unquote perfect answer is because I've been there and I've done it before. It doesn't matter because people resist what they hear, but believe what they say, okay? What they say, they believe, what they believe they own, what they own, they act on, and that's where accountability is built. So when you start changing the conversation, you change the outcome. And again, at the, at the, at the baseline of coaching, it's the mindset and the language of coaching of leadership. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Let's be tactical. Because these are things that impact every manager every single day. So let's talk about what, what happens when a salesperson closes a deal. Here's the typical response from managers because most managers are result-driven. They're focused on that quota and sales outcome. So here's a salesperson just closed the deal. The response from the manager, great job. But you know this isn't going to get us to where we want to be. So what's the other opportunities in your pipeline? You said you had a couple of new logos that were going to close. Why aren't they? Are you following up? How many outbound calls are you making? Okay. Well, that sounds really result-driven. And you don't coach the result. You coach the process. You coach the who. You coach the how. You coach the messaging. And you coach the why. So let's take a look at what that looks like. When great managers now coach a process and the win to reinforce the best practices. You say to someone, hey, great job. They have no idea what best practices to reinforce. This is about coaching the win and not just giving them a high five or a, high five or a fist bump. Here is how you can coach a win. Congratulations. Before we move on, I'd love to hear more about the sale. Can you walk me through it? What did you think you'd never have this meeting with the prospect? How'd you do it? You didn't think you'd ever be able to connect with them. What did you do well that you're proud of? How did you respond when the prospect initially said they were happy with their current vendor and weren't interested in talking to you? What qualifying questions did you ask that you may not have typically asked before? Hey, let's take the time to identify these best practices and this will lead to your success and embed them into every aspect of your sales process so you can continually achieve the results. That's what great leaders do. And finally, how do you acknowledge yourself for a job well done? Most people are so used to hearing what they did wrong, not what they did right. And therefore, they never take the time to acknowledge a win. This is an opportunity not only for the manager to it, but for giving that person permission to do so as well. So let's take another very timely conversation, break it down, move forward, and start moving to the conclusion of our conversation today. What about when you conduct a pipeline review? I'm going to make a guess. You know, I'm just never done this before. I hope my sarcasm is translating. What would it look like if a manager conducted a pipeline review? Most managers only focus on results and activities, and that sounds like what do you have confirmed that's going to close this month? You know we have to do more than 
to sell them to the company and then just call in HR or IT. How many outbound calls did you make to try to get into the C-suite? What's currently in your pipeline? How many calls are you making every day? How many meetings do you have scheduled? Is your pipeline and forecast accurate? Will you meet your goals? How are we going to finish this quarter? Now, are these questions important? Absolutely. But you're only having half of a conversation, and none of these questions develop someone. Now, great managers coach the how, the process, and the language of selling. Here's a, sim here's a similar uh, uh, conversation we just had about coaching the win, but here it is about how you can facilitate a better conversation when you're coaching a pipeline review. Walk me through your sales strategy to date. What did you do differently to achieve your quota? Regarding that one issue, how did you handle that before? What are the steps you would take to resolve this? How would you do it? Walk me through the conversation you recently had with that customer. What are the questions you will ask to qualify this opportunity? Share with me your messaging strategy behind each step of your sales process when prospecting and presenting. The fact is, if you want to know the difference between the A player and the C player, you're not going to find it in the spreadsheet. You're going to find it when you observe them because the A players communicate at a much higher, at more deeper, more intentional level than your C players. So great companies recognize the need to train managers on new critical conversations with their team and customers that connect people in a deeper, more meaningful way. And I think this is probably the most timely of conversations that every manager needs to have, but is not having with their team. How are you coaching a remote team of champions? How are your sellers out there selling remotely before this pandemic? 42% of all global companies never even allowed remote work. 72% disengagement before the pandemic. In 2020, only, what was it? 76% of salespeople hit their quota. That's going to be worse if something doesn't change. And doing more of the old thing won't do it. So your people need to be connected on a deeper level. And that includes your customers, your internal customers, your staff, and your external customers. Okay? So what would that sound like? Typically, a manager would have a, a, a Zoom call, and they're looking at their team and might say, hey, great work, everyone. It looks like you're all doing great, and you've all adjusted to your new workplace. Uh, as you know, next week starts our next quarter. Uh, expect a meeting invite from me to schedule a pipeline review so we can make sure you have your business plan ready. Uh, anything else you want to discuss? Okay, so stay positive and focus and take care of yourself. Uh, and of course, let me know if I can help you any way I can. Look at these poor people. Is this manager addressing the fact that this poor woman is sleeping at her desk? that this other gentleman is actually truly asking for help, that this other person is, has the kids running around, someone's cooking dinner in the back, someone, if, if they're not fortunate to have a home office or in their closet, okay, or in their kitchen, okay, some people are in their bed, or how about the person that looks like they haven't changed their shirt in a week 
and are living in what looks like a bomb shelter, pit them. And what about that person in a 10 o'clock meeting who already poured themselves a nice Bloody Mary? Are you going to tell me that you're not going to address these things on a one-on-one -on -one basis? If you don't, you're not doing your job. And I don't blame managers. You see, the conversations need to change. You're having conversations with your customers and your people that you've never had before. And not only don't you know how to do it, and it's not your fault because there's no flavor for this, except the one I'm creating, but your managers have never been trained how to do this before. There's now an 82% level of disengagement in the workforce, 82%. So these things need to be addressed. And the other part that threatens our ability to do so is the fact that managers even if they feel they have the language and they want to speak from the heart and help their direct reports, they're worried about crossing the HR compliance line. Is this a compliant conversation? I mean, am I allowed to have these personal conversations with these people? Come on, look, you're in their house. You're in my home right now. In fact, you're in my home office slash studio. As you can see, the two things that bring our world together, sports and music. You're in people's homes. You're in your customers' homes. You're in your direct reports' homes. You now have a responsibility and an obligation to change the conversations, to make them more personal and engaged, okay? You can't make assumptions about how they're adjusted because people today are more depressed and disengaged and feeling like they're on their own more than ever. So here's how you change that. You have a conversation with them, a conversation that most managers have never had. And I'm gonna give you these 10 questions you can ask your employees, even your customers and yourself to create a thriving remote life. And don't think this is too late. You can always have this conversation. And here's just some of the questions I'm going to go through pretty quickly. What's working well for you? What, if anything, are you struggling with? Are you open to talking about how we can work through some of the challenges and create what's most important to you? How are you managing and balancing your personal activities while staying productive at work? Walk me through how you're managing your day. Can you share me a screenshot of what your current weekly routine looks like so we can compare how we both manage our time and learn from each other? How have you set boundaries and expectations with your family when you're not working at home to ensure you're productive and not distracted? What's your daily self-care regimen? Especially over this pandemic, people either took that commitment to stay in good shape and honor self-care, extreme self-care, but unfortunately most people, self-care got thrown out the window. You need to make yourself the priority. You need to make yourself care the priority, physically, mentally, meditation, prayer, getting outside. I know people hand raised, I turn around, it's a Friday. I don't think I've been outside since last Friday, okay? That can mess with your mental well-being. So make your self-care the priority because you can't take care of anyone else unless you take care of yourself first. Here's an interesting question. How are you turning off at the end of the day so you can join and be present with your family and yourself? What's your method of communication with me? And how often would you like to meet with the team and for our one-on-ones 
so you feel connected and not isolated and alone. And finally, how can I best support you to create a productive and rewarding, enjoyable workplace so you can achieve your business goals and more important, honor your core values and priorities? This is a conversation we all need to have. And it starts with the art of enrollment. You see, if you look at all these great leaders, the only common theme of these great leaders is that they were able to enroll hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people into their cause, okay? And whether it was standing for spirituality or world peace um, or, or, or mental peace of mind, okay? Or selflessness or eradicating hunger uh, or equality, uh, these people, these people had a stand bigger than them. And it was only until I researched more and more that I realized that this is what managers need to do with their team. They need to enroll people. They need to set intentions with their people. If you do not set intentions with people, they're never going to want to talk to you. Because when intentions are not clear, people default to fear. Okay? And everyone is motivated based on what they want, not what you want. Don't you want to make more money? Don't you want to be the top salesperson? Actually, I'm really comfortable with my salary and um, uh, I really value my family and my personal time a lot more. Okay? We need to be very careful about doing something that will destroy the, the relationship you have with your people. And that's coaching in your own image. You need to tap into the individuality of your people. After all, while they may be sharing the same job function, they all are unique individuals. And that's why those other questions we talked about tap in to who they are, their priorities, their values, okay? So I'm gonna share with you, before we start wrapping up, three questions that managers struggle with. And the problem is I hear from practically every manager out there, Keith, how do I hold my people accountable? I don't wanna micromanage them, but I don't wanna give them too much rope for them to hang themselves. So managers bang the wall, their head on the wall, trying to figure out how can I motivate my people? How can I hold them accountable? Um, uh, you know, how can I inspire them? Um, how can I make our meetings more engaging? Managers, you're asking the wrong person. Ask them. Ask your people. Holding people accountable is very simple when they set the rules. And here they are. What type of reward or incentive would drive you to achieve even more? Why would you start taking the time to create an incentive when it may not even be an incentive for your people? Number two, how can I hold you accountable in a way that will sound supportive rather than negative? How can we ensure accountability in a way that's positive and works for you? And finally, how do you want me to approach you if you don't follow up with the commitments you make? What would be a good way to bring this up? See, now managers don't have to fear being the bad guy. Your coaches are setting the rules. All you're doing is choosing to engage in them. So if we really look at this, top leaders and top performers 
They don't always do different things. They just do things differently. And by the way, when they took this picture of me, this is probably the hardest thing I ever had to do. Okay, just for the record. No, that wasn't me, just saying. Uh, but here's the bad news, and I have the good news, and then we're gonna call, uh, call a wrap up, okay? Bad news for every leader. Avalanches roll downhill. Every single problem that you're faced with is your fault. But I have good news. Avalanches roll downhill. Every single problem that you're faced with is your fault. Why? Because you have the power to change it. It is all in your power. So either those managers, those bad managers are going to get mad at you and blame you for not achieving results or not hitting quota or even being put on a pit. Sorry to say, Mr. and Mrs. Managers, that's not, your, that's, that's, not, that's not their fault. The greatest managers on the planet take 100% accountability for everything and coaches you. Because when they do that, that's when they have the power to make an impact and change starts with you. So think about what's your primary objective as a manager? No, it's not to hit your business objectives. Your primary objective as a manager is to make your people more valuable because what's the byproduct of making your people more valuable? You hit your business objectives. So to make your people more valuable, it always starts with you making yourself more valuable by becoming a world-class coach. So here's the primary leadership objective. And here's the last thing I want to point out and questions that you need to ask yourself in the morning that could truly set the intention and the impact of your day. You see, most managers wake up from a place of fear. And they ask themselves, how am I going to get my team to achieve my business objectives and sales goals today? See, that's the wrong question. You see, the primary objective of leadership is to make your people more valuable every day. Great managers wake up and ask themselves, what do I need to do to make my people more valuable today than they were yesterday? So as we conclude our session today, I want to make sure I put this in front of your line of vision because we're all scrambling and we're all trying to make the most of adopting to our new world. But I thought it was important to take just one minute and share with you what you can truly control and what's 100% in your power. You see, the fact is there's only three things in life you have absolute control over. Those are your actions, your attitude, and your reactions. That's it. Everything else is an illusion. And the irony of it all is we spend more time trying to control the things we can't than mastering the things we can. So remember, you do not have to be great at coaching to start. So if you're a perfectionist or a control freak or a recovering perfectionist and I'll raise my hand and say, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Please don't think you need to master coaching before. You don't have to be great to start. You just need to come from the heart, positive intention, okay? You just need to start to be great at coaching because the new sales strategy and the new leadership strategy today 
is care. And don't look back and think because of what happened, the past is going to be an indicator of what's going to happen this year or next year. Do not define your past as your potential. Do not define your results as your success. And please do not attach your career and results to your self-worth. This is an opportunity for you to break through of all your self-limiting um, thinking, okay? This is an opportunity for you to redesign not only how you work, but how you live. Take advantage of this opportunity because look in the mirror, that's your only competition. That's it. That's the only person you're in competition with because you can never grow past what you think is possible. So stretch yourself. Think beyond what you think uh, is possible. Don't let your self-imposed feelings stop you from putting that limitation on what you think you're capable of doing. So in conclusion, I'd like to share with you the mantra of what every great uh, coaching organization has with a strong coaching culture is that people create the mindset. Mindset shapes behavior. Behavior defines culture. And ultimately, culture determines success. And that is why the primary objective of every business is to make your people more valuable every day. So thank you. I hope this time we spent together blew your mind and made a massive impact on what you can do to become the leader that I know you can be. So don't be a stranger. Feel free to reach out to me anytime. My website is keithrosen.com. And here's my personal information. My personal email is kr at keithrosen.com. And I'm actually going to give you my mobile, which is 516. 231-2774. Because what kind of coach would I be if I didn't make an unconditional commitment to you? So don't be a stranger. If everyone works and everyone achieves more and lives a healthier life when they have someone in their corner. And don't forget to make sure we connect on Twitter and LinkedIn as I'm always sharing new content. So until then, please stay safe, stay happy, and I wish you a peaceful, purposeful, and extremely successful New Year.